Hola, hola, chicas. Welcome back to La Saludable Latina Podcast. This is your host, Lilia Gomez, and I've created this space to promote health awareness within women's health topics. Each episode of La Saludable Latina is made with love and support with the purpose to inspire and empower you to live a healthier lifestyle. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about what it's like to be diagnosed with an ovariansis, what are some possible symptoms, and what is kind of like the feedback and the stigma that comes behind a woman's reproductive symptom and how to manage that diagnosis once you are diagnosed with an ovariansis. We got it. I had an opportunity to actually interview Cindy Liquin from Cultura Con Wellness, and she's going to be sharing her story about what her journey was after she was diagnosed with an ovariansis. But before we get started, we're going to get to know a little bit about Cindy. Okay, ladies, a little bit about Cindy Liquin. She is from Arcadia, California. For those of you that don't know, that's in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, LA people. What's up? She comes from a family of five. Her dad was born in El Salvador and her mother was born in Guatemala. She has two younger sisters and during the time that Cindy was studying, she decided to major in Spanish language and literature and achieved her bachelor's degree. She is also currently in her master's degree program and is currently majoring in Latin American studies. Way to go, Cindy. Get it, girl. She currently works as a Spanish translator and interpreter at a public school district, and she is actually the founder of Cultura Con Wellness website. If you guys don't know her, I highly recommend looking her up on Instagram as Cultura Con Wellness. One of her favorite hobbies since she was the age of 12 is collecting coins. So I'm assuming she has a really great collection. So she's going to have to show me that collection sometime. <laughs> Cindy actually does have a favorite pet. His name is Lobo. It's a three-year-old Maltipoo that she adopted in October of 2017. Okay, ladies, just to let you know a little bit of the description of Cultura Go Wellness, it is a platform to actually help and guide women of color to be able to become aware of their fertility awareness through education, reproductive justice, and hormone-friendly wellness. Cindy's journey actually began when the doctors discovered that she had a great fruit-sized ovariansis that led to surgery and after six years of taking hormonal birth control, she realized it had a negative impact on her body which led her to find fertility awareness method as a natural form of birth control and living more in a holistic lifestyle. Cindy is currently working on her master's like I mentioned before in Latin American studies at the California University of LA and she's also also focusing her research on fertility awareness methods among Latinas and black women. Using her 10 years of professional experience in educational interpretation and healthcare interpreting training, her goal is to become a fertility awareness method educator in order to teach women and high school students about body literacy to empower their reproductive health decisions. Yes, Cindy, go get it. All right, ladies, before we get started with this week's episode, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what an ovarian is just a little bit of knowledge of information so you can kind of understand where our plactica is gonna go okay ladies so let's learn a little bit about the anatomy of an ovary as you know or don't know ovaries are actually small oblong pearl color organs that lie just below the fallopian tubes on each side of the uterus so anything below the belly button down is known as a reproductive system 
for women. Ovaries main purpose is to actually produce eggs and believe it or not a woman has the greatest number of eggs in her ovaries that she'll ever have about 20 million when she is 20 weeks fetus inside her mother. Ain't that crazy? I didn't even know that. Although the number of eggs starts to decrease from that point on, don't worry ladies, all females continue to have far more eggs than they ever need. So most of you already know that the main purpose for the ovary is to really release eggs, right? So eggs are released about once a month from about the age of 14 to 15 and onward, sometimes earlier or sometimes later. That depends how soon you actually start cycling and having your period. So after a girl has her first period, it takes about two or three years for ovulation to get going regularly. Just as menopause actually takes a number of years for ovulation to cease altogether. But let's be aware here because ovulation always produces a small cyst in the ovary. It's actually very common for ovaries to have small cystic areas in them that are either the result of newly developing eggs or ovulations that have already occurred in your body. That's just a known fact. And also too, as the egg begins to develop each month, a nourishing fluid-filled area forms around it so that it's encapsulated and walled off from the rest of the ovary. And this fluid-filled area is actually known as a cyst. It's actually the physiological and completely normal as a matter of fact that many women don't really appreciate because often at times they're like, oh, I'm having pain. It's probably most likely there's a cyst occurring during the time that you were ovulating eggs or something that had occurred already and it's just kind of hanging on into your ovary. And, and if you don't know, during ovulation, when the egg is actually released and picked up by the fallopian tube, the cyst actually bursts as part of the ovulatory process. And the surrounding fluid known as the liquor folliculi is released into the pelvic cavity along with the egg. So if you're having pain during ovulation or pain in the pelvic area, your body's telling you that there's either a cyst passing through and it already bursts. So if that pain keeps reoccurring, your body's probably telling you there might be a possible cyst in your ovary and in your reproductive area. So what happens after we ovulate is most questions that I get from females is, well, let me tell you this. When you ovulate, there is a space where the egg used to be, which is a second small cystic area known as the corpus luteum. It develops and begins to secrete the hormone that we actually make, progesterone. The corpus luteum eventually gets reabsorbed by the ovary and frequently the process of the egg development begins again and a small cyst forms. But ovulation does not occur in this particular site. In this case, the small cyst will be left in the area of the ovary for a while and because of this monthly process of egg development, a cyst can actually form and actually it is perfectly normal for a woman to have small fluid fill ovariances at almost any time throughout her reproductive life in fact ladies ovaries almost always have small cysts in them so whenever a woman gets a little bit annoyed with her pelvic pain that she's feeling or she's not really sure what's going on it's most likely that your pelvic pain is uh, a discomfort and your body telling you there might be a cyst happening or a cyst bursting right so the only way to really find out if you have an ovarian cyst is to go to your doctor's office describe your symptoms and maybe the provider can actually order a pelvic ultrasound especially when you have chronic pelvic pain because most of the time if you do have chronic pelvic pain it can either be due to fibroids but other reasons can be due to your ovaries that are releasing the cysts or forming cysts um, and actually cysts are pretty normal between the size of one to 
one to three centimeters and in actually my case i had a two centimeter cyst that eventually i knew was not gonna go away and i had the risk of either getting bigger or i had the option of controlling the pain with pain meds and i'm not a big pill person so i went with surgery i said let's get this little sucker out because i don't want it to be a problem in the future so because cysts are normal you, ha you have to be aware that producing small physiological cysts that come and go is part of your actual ovarian health so it's not something that's negative it's actually something that is normal so don't treat it like ah you know why is this happening it's just part of our reproductive system so be aware that most ovaries main function is to also produce hormones including estrogen and like i mentioned before progesterone and androgens and throughout the life cycle the amounts they produce will vary in your lifetime depending on your age of course the one phrase we never like to hear as you age your body starts changing so let's keep that in mind part of the ovaries do start to decrease in size when a woman hits her 30s and they do lose mass more rapidly after the age of 45 on average typically but they are not the inner fibrous tissue masses they've been thought to be as a woman does age in her life it's part of like our ovary to regress and that part is known as the theca um, stage and the theca is the outermost covering of the ovary where the eggs grow and develop and where the physiological cysts can actually form and actually the theca is also known where the cysts can actually be embedded so and for the ladies who are kind of questioning could i have an ovarian cyst always have the talk with your medical provider now having that said there's different stages of cysts and not all cysts are cancerous remember you have to go to your medical provider to get screened and eventually if there is a cyst where you end up getting surgery then it gets biopsy and sent to the pathology and then the pathology will analyze you know the tissue to see if it was cancerous or tumors or whatnot so keep in mind there's different types of cysts so i'm going to give you a brief introduction projection on that really quick so there's folliculite cysts which is many ovarian cysts that grow bigger than four centimeters and persist after two or three menstrual cycles are actually functional such cysts form when the folliculi the physiological cyst in which eggs develop falls to grow and discharge the egg in the normal way when this happens the ovarian folliculi may continue to grow beyond the time when ovulation should have taken place and sometimes what can happen it grows big it can grow up to the size of seven to eight centimeters in diameter and it can be really painful this cysts are described on ultrasounds and they're unilocular and thin walled meaning that they consist just of single collection of fluid contained with thin membrane uh and for the most part um it the pain will persist so it will require surgery so eventually you will have to have that platica with your medical provider to refer you to a specialist OBGYN who's also a surgeon that specializes in being able to remove an ovarian cyst so although some physicians do prescribe birth control pills to stop the ovulation process and allow the cyst to regress the newer low dose estrogen birth control pills do not contain enough hormone to shut down the ovary and influence the cyst so we're going to go into cindy's story and she actually talks about how she experienced being diagnosed with an ovarian cyst and how she felt like maybe birth control was a contributing factor i'm gonna leave it at that so listas here we go
Hola chicas, welcome back to La Saludable Latina. This is your host Lilia Gomez and I have a special guest with me today, Cindy Liquin. And we're going to talk about Cindy's journey when she got diagnosed with a ovarian cyst and how her story began the passion of her platform for women's reproductive health and being able to bring cultura con wellness together. Cindy, how are you doing tonight? I'm really, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really good. I just got done from a 9 to 5, so trying to de-stress and just getting ready to have a plática with you. I know that 9 to 5 life. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. I'm glad that we get done. Awesome. So, Cindy, I wanted to get to know your story because we actually met through social media because a Frank got to know you at the wellness conference with We All Girl, and then she told me that I needed to get in touch with you and I remember when I visited your blog site at the time, which congratulations, by the way, on your new website. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's well done, girl. You inspire me to get mine done. But when I came across your website, I actually found out that you were diagnosed with an ovarian cyst. And I found a commonality as a Latina that I wanted to touch bases with you because sometimes as a woman and as a Latina, we really don't really know what to do once an ovarian cyst gets diagnosed. And I know we have different journeys, right? Because we were talking already once about our stories and I wanted to bring you on to create an awareness for all of our beautiful women who might be going through the process with an ovarian cyst. So we're gonna get to know your story. So Cindy, how did it all start with you as far as getting some type of symptom? Did you feel any pain? And what was going on at that time in your life that you noticed maybe some pain or discomfort was going on with you yeah so I would say let me see I graduated from my undergrad in 2013 and I think that's when the pains kind of started and I used to be very active um, very athletic always worked out like the gym was my life apart from school and uh, part-time work so I remember I was a really really like heavily active runner I just started liking running so I would do it all the time and I I just noticed that I started getting this hip pain. Typically, it almost felt like it was the lower right hip, almost like in the glute. And I thought, huh, that's weird. Maybe I just did some hip abductors or something, you know, on the machine. Uh, I'll just stop and I'll um, I'll rest for a few days and then I'll pick it up again. And then um, at the time, how old was I? I don't know, 27? <laughs> something like that I forget the time now I'm 32 now so I thought you know recovery back then was so much easier than it is now uh, I've noticed as I've gotten a little bit older so I would recover within a few days and then I just went straight back into it and it did on and off I'd say for a period of like a year and then got married in 2014 and then I think that's the year that really it started becoming more aggressive like as far as pain more so that I couldn't stop I couldn't ignore it anymore it really got intense when i would miss a lot of work i would have periods of like maybe two weeks i would miss work and i thought it was just back pain and so i would be just resting on the couch for those two weeks and i thought oh maybe i just overworked myself maybe something else came up so i'd rest and then i'd go back but it just became way more frequent and at the time 
I was in college. I didn't have health insurance. I, I only had the services provided that were available on campus. Usually that's typical, just like pap smear, access to contraceptive, and nothing, just kind of a basic physical exam. Nothing in depth. So you were able to get insurance through school. So it basically covered probably the basics of a well woman exam, right? You mentioned the physical and the contraceptives. But when this pain was still residing, when did you realize that the pain was becoming more more persistent that something was going on with your body um i'm trying to think uh i think it was yeah leading up to 2015 because 2015 was when i was diagnosed actually in april so i think toward the end of 2014 which was right around when i got married too so not too actually not too long after i got married now that i think about it and it i remember feeling faint and my husband would say what's wrong you know what's going on i was like i don't know i just feel really faint and you know i had gone to the doctor at that point because i already had like a secure career and so i had my own health insurance so i would go to the doctor like i'm gonna get everything done now that i missed out on while I was in college. So I would go and I would tell them that I had this pain and I'd go to my primary. And the usual thing was always like, take this pain medication, try it out for however many weeks and come back when to see if the pain gets any better. Well, it wouldn't, you know, it actually would get worse. And I thought, well, maybe I just overstretched something. So I was like that for about, I guess, six months, something like that. And then it was just, like I said, too much. And I just felt really faint. It got to the point actually where I remember being at work and I was like, I can't even be at work anymore. I can't even sit. I can't even stand. Something feels wrong. So I went to urgent care. I left work early. I went to urgent care near work. And the, one of the doctors there just said, what's going on? I told them, I said, hey, I've been dealing with this pain for some time. It's only gotten worse in the past year. And she was like, okay, we're going to ask for an x-ray. And once we got the x-ray they said we see a shadow there and that was when discovered what was going on (laughs) yeah so uh if i can take back when you were commenting when you were seeing the provider and then you went to the urgent care at some point where you were visiting the provider did they ever perform a physical exam to see where the pain was coming from in your body you know they would do you know when they press on your stomach and they'd say like does this hurt does this hurt and i'd say no it's not really like stomach pain it's just somewhere like in there deep you know adentro Uh on my on my back or like Uh, almost like in my in my butt you know yeah (laughs) that's weird like butt cheek you know and they're like oh well it sounds like you just overstretched i think they also said that it could have been that piriformis there's something within it's not exactly sciatica but it's like a muscle in there Okay. You might have just overstretched or you're probably from sitting too long and all that stuff. So So there was no hunch of maybe possibly related to the woman's reproductive. It was just kind of like, okay, well, let's treat the pain, take the medications. But you noticed that the pain was not going away and the pain medications were not helping. And eventually you ended up again in the urgent care and where you got some radiology exams done. Uh, What type of radiology exams did they order where they noticed the shadow? Just the regular x-ray. They did it on my right hip pretty much it and then after that once they realized what came up you know the result the x-ray then they were like okay now we're gonna have you do a transvaginal ultrasound to see what that really is Uh uh-huh so there was a spot notice on the x-ray and then i'm 
pretty sure the provider that you were seeing said there's a hunch so we need to go further and do a pelvic ultrasound with a transvaginal and just a little bit ladies what that means is that they do an ultrasound outside um close to your belly button and your vagina they'll do a pelvic ultrasound there but then they do one where they do a transvaginal and it's kind of like fake dildo going into you with a condom <laughs> i know <laughs> right you're probably like looking at that like what is that and what are you about to do strange because they told me like okay drink a bunch of water before you go so the purpose of drinking a lot of water is for the pelvic area to be more clear for the ovaries and the tubes and the uterus to see if they're able to catch anything through the ultrasound. Retaining that water will have a little bit of more of a clear picture in the ultrasound tag. So once you got that performed, ¿qué pasó? ¿Qué fue el próximo paso? Well, I just remember <laughs> when that procedure happened, I was like, I really got to pee. And the, uh, I forget, the tech was like, wow you have a lot of water i'm like well they told me to drink a lot of water <laughs> <laughs> really by choice like i'm ready to go to the bathroom after this they said the the tech didn't tell me anything obviously because they can't actually diagnose or, or read the result but um then i went back to the doctor and then that's when they told me oh okay we see what's going on now you actually have a huge cyst on your right ovary and then you have a small cyst on your left ovary so that cyst on your right ovary is probably what's causing you the pain so what did the doctor recommend after noticing the results that i'm pretty sure at that time the provider said you need to follow up with a specialist with an obgyn and mm -hmm. when you were getting the diagnose um how did you you feel cindy during that time when the doctor was telling you there's an ovarian cyst on your left and on your right ovary how did you take that news it was a mix of emotions i thought okay this has been something that very common in my family history like as far as the women in my family go mis tias mi abuela mi mama like i swear every almost every woman in my family growing up i remember at some point they either had a hysterectomy um something was going on right with that with the pelvic area with the reproductive um, system so i thought okay well i'm i guess like you know the, the same thing but then i felt confused like what does this mean like you know automatically at least for me maybe because this is how we grow up in our culture i thought okay is this gonna impede me having children at some point yeah right it's algo que como latina especialmente con una familia que viene de muchas mujeres ya sabemos cuando te cases they're already asking for the children right and sometimes when a woman goes through a diagnosis it's kind of like you think of that question right it comes rushing through your head thinking like oh my gosh i'm in this situation and i really don't know what the outcome is going to be but when that feeling was going through your mind and kind of having that thought of your family and the woman with some health history in the reproductive system is how did you go about taking in the diagnosis and then making your appointment with the specialist and what was the conversation that you had with the specialist once you knew that it was an actual ovarian cyst that might have been causing all this pain and why wasn't it found sooner so what was the conversation like with your provider if you can recall it i asked them how did this grow and they said we don't know sometimes we don't know they just grow a lot of times it's like depending on your mens menstruation like women already have a small cyst and they either expand or they shrink or you know stuff like that yes 
And then I said, well, I've been taking hormonal birth control for six years. Could that have, you know, contributed to this mass growing inside of me? And then they said, well, it's possible. That's always a possibility that, you know, that risk that you take by taking a synthetic hormone. I was like, okay, well... I'm not going to take this anymore, <laughs> you know? In my mind, I was like, why am I going to take this if that could possibly have contributed to this, you know? At least that's the one thing I can control. Maybe some other factors, like tr- like they told me, I guess naturally we have cysts and, and things just grow and depending on hormones, but at least I can control the stuff that is not natural in my body, like a synthetic hormone, you know? Because I've been on it for six years and always kind of felt iffy about it toward the end, like two years, uh, like... Like on the fourth year, I was like, oh, this feels weird. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's doing to my body. Yeah. And then, you know, then, then this happened. So I was like, okay, well, listen to myself. <laughs> but I didn't have another out, I guess. Yeah, no, I completely understand where you're coming from. Because just like you, I was also on the birth control for six years. And I think it was like close to my fourth year too, where I started to think, do I really want to keep taking this contraceptive pill? And mm-hmm. it became a question of like, can I be able to learn how to take precautionary measures with without the pill and you can which was mm-hmm. more easier said than done because we're so reliant on the contraceptive pills because that's what society in the medical field has implied that if we want to take charge of our reproductive health then we need to take one of the contraceptive barriers and I've learned that that's not the truth and just like you I also went through an ovarian cyst but your outcome was a little bit different than mine. You mentioned something really important right now. Ovarian cysts happen every time that we menstruate. But as a woman, I think as soon as you start menstruating, you could be 10, 11, 12, or 14 and on. And you might be feeling like this crucial pain in your pelvic area. And that can be an ovarian cyst passing along where you either burst on its own or for other females, it kind of stays embedded in the ovary and it either stays the size that it is or it grows. In your case, the ovarian cysts happen to grow, right? Yeah, so they told me that it was the size of a grapefruit, the big one, you know, on the right ovary. Then the other one was small, like, you know, not even the size of a walnut. When you found out that you had an ovarian cyst the size of a grapefruit, how did you feel and what was going to be the next plan of care for you when you met with your specialist OBGYN? Oh, I first thought, like, how the heck does something that big fit in our bodies, you know? That that was my first thought, like, como? ¿A dónde queda? And then you know I started thinking like is this cancerous and then they said the only way that we would be able to tell is if we do surgery and at that point I started um, having the blood test what is it called the CA125 and that's a marker for I guess cancerous cells I, I kind of get it confused but correct me if I'm um, misspeaking no it's a CA125 marker I'm um, kind of like for breast cancer, it's the BRCA1 and BRCA2. For the pelvic and uterus and ovaries, it's the CA120. Along with other studies that the OBGYN is going to recommend because you mentioned when you saw the provider, they couldn't really pinpoint where the pain was coming from and uh-huh. your diagnosis. But the OBGYN specialize in a certain area and they're going to know exactly what labs, um, what uh-huh. testing they need to order to see what's going on and seeing what are going to be the recommendations. So when you found out about getting additional lab tests, 
this done, what was going to be the next plan of care for you? Like, what was the discussion with the provider? What options did she give you as far as like treatment? So I went to the OBGYN. And for those listening, a lot of times they're not in the same vicinity. <laughs> a lot of times, well, for me, it was restored out. So I had to go actually to another city um, that was Panorama City for me. And it wasn't very close to work or where I lived. So kind of had to like go out of my way to go to it. And um, but I like my OBGYN. She was really great, um, very, very knowledgeable and everything. And so I, I just spoke to her and I asked her, you know, what, what are the options? Is there a way to like make this go away on its own or, or and so she told me that, well, at this point, it's massive and it's causing you pain. I don't know how much longer you want to be dealing with pain. So that's really up to you. But there's also risk of it causing damage like it could burst it could interfere with something else going uh, you know something else in your body so what we would recommend is that you have, sur- have surgery done to remove it and that would be a laparoscopic surgery or la- what is a laparoscopy i never know how to pronounce it but was it your left or your right uh right so it was probably laparoscopic right ophorectomy which is mm-hmm. the surgeon is going to go in to perform a surgery where they're going to try to take out the ovarian cysts but with the risk of surgery what can happen is if they're unable to take out the ovarian cysts on its own they might have to run the risk of taking out the whole ovary depending on how embedded it is and also too i don't know if when you had the surgery if they went in from the opposite side because in my case i also had an ovarian cyst but it wasn't the size of a grapefruit mine was like two centimeters on my right ovary actually that's so funny <laughs> I, I know on my right ovary and I also got the laparoscopic right ophorectomy, but they went in on the left side to be able to take out the cyst from the right side. And the reason they did that is because they were checking out the left ovary just to make sure there was no damage or no variances growing on the left ovary, but also it gives leverage for the surgeon to maneuver the, the surgery tools to maneuver during the surgery because if they puncture directly through to your right ovary, there's not a lot of leverage and room for the surgeon to really perform the surgery. So they need a lot of room room to make sure like what are the possibilities of saving the ovary or if they have to take out everything so the tools uh-huh. get a little tricky so when you found out that you had to get a surgery como te sentiste como una mujer because when I got the news I was scared to be quite honest yeah I think I had the attitude of like well okay let's go for it you know like, let's do it but I was scared inside because I was like well this is new this sounds like really invasive I've never had an invasive surgery before so the OBGYN told me the whole procedure about how the surgery would be performed and Mine is different from yours because I actually have two scars. I have a scar on the right side and a scar on the left side. So they went in both sides. Yeah, we're twins. twins. So you went adelante pues. Vamos a arrancar con the surgery. Let's get it taken care of. Did you feel at some point when you were getting the recommendations and getting the news and obviously you had to do a little bit of preparation before the surgery. Did you feel like a part of your womanhood was going to be at risk? Because I felt that. Here's the thing. I started talking to... Well, my husband and I were like, okay, we need to tell family, clap, because I'm not just going to go day of surgery. No van a saber qué pasó. So we're like, how do we tell the family? So we just told the family, like, very calmly. And of course, you know, as, as calmly as you try to be and you try to keep yourself together, there's always somebody in the family that's like, oh my God, ¿qué está pasando? No puedo. So my dad has worked in the medical field for years, but he works um, with children and 
medicine, cardiac, you know, his is a different field, right? And then my mom kind of looked at it in a different way, like, ay, te pasó lo mismo que a tus tíos, que a mí, que no, so, you know, this is, this must be just a family curse, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it on generationally to you now. Uh-huh. Like I feel, and then my mom starts feeling things of like, I'm guilty, me culpo yo, like this, okay, everybody needs to calm down. <laughs> you know? And then my, my in-law's side was very like, they took it in, but the questions started coming like, van a poder tener hijos and all this stuff. So that was a thing on everybody's mind. How will this affect that and all this stuff? So, so having that said, like when you were deciding to share the news with your family and obviously some of the feedback was supportive but sometimes la familia can really like trigger you to be like calm down yes especialmente la familia que somos latinos because the first thing they're thinking like if you were married at the time they were probably already thinking of nietos like when is the nietos coming and now that you're giving them this news it's kind of like okay everybody sit down it's not that serious because at the end of the day you had to take all that in right like as a woman like oh my god i now i share the news with my family and sometimes what we don't know is that sometimes family's comments can take an effect and toll on us emotionally and can leave us questioning more after you were sharing that news with your family how did it make you feel and did you become selective going forward who were you going to share the news and your progress and your recovery yeah so once i started to see family's reactions and how that was affecting me not only me but it, it was affecting my husband as well you know and i think a lot of times it is my body you know my body my choice right i advocate for my own body because i'm the one going through it but then you know i chose a life with this person so he's going through it too he can and he knows even less of what's going on with my body or like what goes on in a woman's body in general so it was kind of a learning process for both of us and how to deal with all these emotions and all these comments that everybody's throwing at us having the best intention of course they didn't mean any harm behind any of them but out of their own curiosity i think they just it's this added pressure that is unnecessary so we started being more selective like okay let's just when people ask when family asks they'll just say like we're taking care of it no hay que preocuparse and then we'll we'll talk about it together but i don't want to be constantly bombarded with questions constant worries constant like you know no van a tener hijos and then you know other comments like what if you lose the other ovary now and you know stuff like that then you might have to be on hormones and then now you really lost your chance of having kids and I started questioning like okay is my womanhood then just to have kids like this is why I've been put on this earth is to like have kids y darle nietos a mis papás y a a mis suegros like if I don't do that then is that bad like am I bad at being a woman because I can't do this I can't do this one thing that like women are supposed to do I completely agree where you're coming from in the perspective of feeling can we fulfill the shoes of being able to be reproductive right Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times like our families come from good intentions but then what can happen is self-doubt can start crossing on our minds and i know at some point we will both get there together because we have similar paths in in our journeys you talked about something really important that yes it is your body and you make the decisions but you have a partner that you're willing to share your life with how did your husband become supportive in this role and time frame of your life and 
how did he get to learn your process so you can make an awareness for men who really don't know how to support a woman when they're going through such diagnosis and feelings like what was your experience with your husband and what are some of the things that your husband learned in this process I think that the, it's kind of like a roller coaster of emotions. Like sometimes you'll both be sad. Sometimes you'll both feel really down about it. Um, sometimes you'll both feel depressed. Sometimes one of you is going to lift the other one up. Or a veces él te va a ayudar, you know, and comfort you and be like, hey, we're going to get through this, you know. It's honestly just day by day. It's a process. It really is. And I would say almost like grieving también. Like I felt like I was losing part of my womanhood and he didn't know how to react. So he was just in moments like that, trying to be comforting, read me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that he was supportive. I mean, I don't, I don't hold anything against him. I didn't expect him to be perfect or anything and i would express like hey i feel like i'm not doing i'm not fulfilling something even for you you know i feel like i'm keeping something from you because this now happened to me I love the fact that you guys were able to communicate with one another and support one another because this might have been new to him as much as it was for you. Like you said, you felt like in a way, a part of your womanhood was being kind of lost, but you found a passion after your experience. But before we get into the passion, how long, if you can remember, did it take you to recover from your surgery? And when did you start feeling a little bit of being Cindy again? Like things are going to get better. And when you were recovering, how did your passion start because we all know that you started a platform where it was like boom bada bing this girl's talking about reproductive health the holistic way which we're so often like on the go that we forget we can do it the natural way mm -hmm. recovery you know i've had a back surgery too <laughs> let me tell you i had back surgery in 2016 and then i had the ovarian cyst surgery in 2015 so back to back surgery for the other but i will tell you that the ovarian surgery i thought would be less painful than back surgery but it was actually more than the back surgery and that was really surprising to me you don't realize how much you really rely on your core oh yes <laughs> until experience that surgery and i remember just sneezing or like laughing a little bit or coughing sneezing especially like i remember i would grip two pillows y me lo, me lo apachurraba ahí en el estómago like holding my <laughs> stomach down because i was like oh my god ay me duele tan like it, it was painful i'm sorry I'm laughing because you're bringing me back memories of the time when I was also in excruciating pain. And we're just keeping it real, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a fun thing to go through. It's really not. They give you six to eight weeks to recover. Oh, no. I was still sore after that. Would you say it took you a couple months other than weeks? Because I got the same recovery. Like, oh, it's only going to be a couple weeks. It actually took me like literally maybe casi dos o tres meses. Yeah, I think so. Where I felt like, okay, I can bend down normal again. Like, no me duele. I can sit, you know. Um, or I wouldn't feel this like kind of like pain in my stomach. Um, but I would honestly say as a full recovery, I would say it took me about a year to feel like normal-ish again. Where I wasn't like, ah, oh, you know, I always conscious or aware of like i don't want to hurt myself 
Ah, that's true. I also think comes with having a year for recovery comes with your mental and emotional too, because Mm -hmm. it took Mm -hmm. a not only does it take a toll physically, like physically, it took me three months, but it took me a longer process too, because it's part of us now. It's an imprint in our life. And now it's like, it comes from the core and in our heart and in our minds. And when we find a relation to another woman who's been through the same process, because mm-hmm. when I found out that you went through the same process, I was like, I got to get in touch with this girl to create awareness. <laughs> or we're sisters, you know, like sis with C, Y, C. Oh my God. Yeah. You need to hashtag that sisters. <laughs> oh my. So I need to hashtag that. Yeah. So when you had fully recovered, Cindy, how did you find the passion to create your platform? Because when I, came across your site cultura con wellness and then i saw that you were focusing on the reproductive health what made you take that step and leap into rediscovering that journey well it actually started because after i went back from you know the follow-up after my surgery so i went back and i talked to them and the first question or the first comment that they said was like okay well you know everything looks like it's healing well um just come back every six months to get the ca125 um, just to make sure that things aren't growing and your numbers aren't rising, you know, as your your blood marker and everything's looking normal. And you can actually go back on birth control. Um, and I was like, okay, why? Why would I do that if that possibly, like, made this mass grow inside of me? <laughs> They're like, no, it's fine. It'll actually shrink any possible cyst that could, you know, potentially grow again and i was like well that doesn't really make sense to me so i remember i was kind of i went back and forth for a little bit with the medical provider and i was like okay i'm not really getting anywhere i went home and i remember telling my husband i don't want to take the pill anymore. i don't know what we're gonna do but i'm gonna figure out i'm gonna start researching like if there's one thing that i'm gonna get i'm gonna research <laughs> you know so that's when i kind of like went on this journey to like i need to find like natural birth control so i went on this like searching like google books all this stuff and i actually came across what was called the fertility awareness method and i was like oh what's this and i started reading up and then that led me to this book called taking charge of your fertility and i remember going to my local library and i was like oh they have it here and they did so i brought it home checked it out and i I just started reading and i was like oh my god wow our bodies actually are not fertile every single day of the month I i can't get pregnant spontaneously any day of the month actually men are the ones that are fertile all the time yes <laughs> men are only fertile for a certain period of, the, of their cycle so that blew my mind and that really was like the catalyst to how i came about with cultura con wellness and i was like i want to teach people i, I want to teach especially like latinas and spanish-speaking community i'm a translator by profession like i could do this and i want other people to feel empowered too so with that i just i started diving deep and i started using that method and um my husband was really nervous at first so was i you know because in society we're taught to not trust what our bodies naturally do right we've sort of disconnected from that i was like no babe like look this book is telling me this is like the bible like the encyclopedia of like fertility awareness (laughs) it's scientific like it's not just some boo la la you know just with astrology and stuff like that like this is science you know this is biological so i just started doing it and and i started reading up more and i would 
tell my husband and I'd be like, hey, did you know that this and this and this? He's like, I didn't know that. And so it's been um, three years since I've been using that method and it's been successful. You know, I've prevented pregnancy. I'm not trying to have a child yet. And my husband now, I a believer. And it's so funny because he'll sometimes say like, hey, you know, so-and-so has a question about this. And he's like, oh yeah, I just tell him, hey, my, my wife knows about this. Like if you have any questions and I feel like how awesome you, especially being a Latino, Mexicano, male, you know, all these things, right? All these different factors that he has, like you're speaking up about this too. So it makes me feel really proud that he is listening and also advocating for this too. I think it's amazing that your husband stands by you and your passion and your creation and your research and in your platform now, because to be quite honest, not a lot of men really understand the women's reproductive or they're often saying, ah, ya comienzo su regla, ya va, you know, va a chillar those cramps of bloating and I, I think if the husband's able and partner or boyfriend's able to understand the process of the woman's body then they really understand like what we're going through like I think at the time when I was married when I was going through my ovarian cyst I was 25 at the time I think when I was diagnosed probably the same age around you 25 going on 26 I remember we were dating at the time and he didn't know what was going on but he was supportive and you know at that time yeah at that time I said wow you know he's coming out of his way to take me to surgery and to be there after surgery and I didn't dive in fully like you did because I didn't really have much of a high risk although I could have gone that way because the OBGYN did make a joke that I did not like and you know I was being very serious as a Latina like no 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 you don't understand I come from a family of all women you need to keep both ovaries in like (laughs) um she made a joke like well lily you know you only need one ovary and she started laughing so if i take out one it's it's gonna be okay and i remember looking at her like are you kidding me right now like that's i don't want to hear that right now but i understood the risks of going into surgery that that could be the possible risk and just like you you started to question a part of your womanhood is you know am i still gonna feel like the lily that I feel as a woman growing up and learning and evolving. And I think sometimes on the inside, what makes us women, like physically, internally, is, you know, what, what we see. You know, our our vaginas, our hoo-hahs, <laughs> and, and our breasts. Um, but internally, too, we have a certain attachment and feeling and connect emotion with that relationship with our bodies. So when you were learning about your body and your husband supporting you and now creating the platform, you're advocating for women to really think about doing the natural fertility way versus a contraceptive because like you said before society has implemented if you really want to take charge of your reproductive health go on the pill go on the nuvering go on the iud yeah that society has um especially latinas and african-american women or women of color in general we're always placed under this category is like you're just hyper fertile you're all running around like rabbits just ready to pop them out and and it's like no like we all have the you know fertility is like unique to each individual but i think that society has also placed that on us where it's like if i don't control it then i'm just ready to i'm just ready to pop one out it's just a matter of time somebody could look at me yeah it's not true at all actually you know but you know what Cindy? now that you say that our parents also implemented that image mm-hmm. right yeah. like la cultura la 
Latino y, y Latinas that they say, don't you even look at them because then you're going to become pregnant. Like, don't you even come in with those thoughts. And just like you, because prior to this conversation that we were trying to do everything the right way and trying to be responsible because we have this parallel of like, we wanted to prevent pregnancy. So we got on the pill. We wanted to make sure we got educated. So we went for a degree and we wanted to be in the workforce and we wanted to get married. And then eventually the child will come, right? And little did we know that we rely so much on this contraceptive barrier that could have caused possibly the cyst to grow although it, although it does have a percentage chance to actually decrease ovariances you never know if it could also lead to the possibility of being a factor contributing to ovarian cyst yeah well that's when i started um, reading up more about hormonal birth control anyway like the pills specifically and then once i started reading that you know all these things that that the medical provider was telling me i started thinking like okay medical providers don't really know much about it either they're only told what we're all told so it's like this cycle right we're all just kind of repeating the same information and so when i read that because a lot of times you'll hear like it'll regulate hormones it'll regulate your cycle um it will make you have a period and once i read that it actually the period that you think you're getting on the pill is not really your real period is just the fake bleeding or withdrawal bleed because the way the pill was designed it was created it could have actually been created where you don't get a period at all but they found that that was not going to be natural feeling for women to take to like not bleed at all so they're like okay we'll have this thing that will induce this bleeding so that way it doesn't look so abnormal right yeah no i completely um, agree with you yeah. because now that you say that i always see that commercial where they're promoting the the pill that you know you can take the pill for three months and then get your cycle which i'm like no don't don't get on that pill we need yeah. to be cycling actually men menstruate i think the movement of like um period positivity has it's been good you know yeah that's actually not healthy so i know that having a period could be annoying and and almost a nuisance and i think that behavior has been taught to us too to look at it like ah it's such a bother molestia. i wish i didn't have to go through this that's but so it's actually a sign of health and a lot of people in the medical industry are actually looking to menstruation now and fertility signs as the fifth vital sign you know so you can actually use it as a tool as a diagnostic tool to see what's going on with your health i'm loving the fact that you're pointing out that providers are now taking an approach to learning more about menstruation because like you said before often it got tabooed with negative behaviors and feelings saying oh why am i cycling every day and i would tell my boyfriend at the time who's not my husband i wish you were going through this so you know how it feels <laughs> and um and they, he wouldn't understand but you know what i'm discovering is that men go through a similar process it's just not really talked about which i'll be tapping in with a provider but going back to you is when you were finding out that you got diagnosed with an ovariances got the treatment got the surgery got the pulse recovery went on being a health advocate for your reproductive health and now are creating a platform to speak for women and women of color to say hey there is a natural way of doing this if you don't want to get on a contraceptive it's maybe just a little bit more work it, it is it, it takes it takes a little bit of um, what I see unlearning what we've been taught and and it, I think the thing that we have to think about also is you have to see where you're at in your life 
this yes. isn't for everybody and it may not be for you at this time but for me it was the best choice because i think i was just ready for it right i had, had gone through something traumatic right with my body mm-hmm. and i was like i want to do something that's going to be good for my body so that's why i went into this and but one benefit from this is one you'll learn um, body literacy so you'll actually be more in tune with your body of, of what's going on and with that you'll feel more empowered to advocate for yourself so when a medical provider actually gives you an opposing um response and let's say you're advocating for hey you know i've heard this method it's very effective and they come at you with because this was my experience well you know that's only 70 something percent effective you're actually gonna get pregnant if you don't use a pill or you know something i was like well no i i read the book and i i I know what i'm getting into and i'm gonna be diligent about it and i know that it'll work out so i'm good like i got this (laughs) yes girl take charge of your health i love to hear that because you mentioned something really important advocating for yourself because often providers sometimes miss hearing their patients and I have to say this if you feel like your provider is not providing the service or the tools that you need always go for a second opinion advocate for yourself sisters don't be afraid to speak up you know your body more than the provider does the provider helps to guide when you describe symptoms to them and then you can advocate by providing writing information or exams or laboratory work that you want to get done push until you get it done and then eventually if everything's good proud of you sister if not then you're taking the lead on your health to be able to catch it early right mm-hmm. exactly I think a great tool for um let's say you have a case like endometriosis or pcos right all these other um conditions that women experience fertility awareness method is not only for women to have not normal cycles quote-unquote be for women that are going through that too and and using this method as a diagnostic tool to say hey you know this is how long my cycles are with this condition what is another step i could be taking maybe it could be dietary changes or treatment changes or you know whatever it may be you have that data for yourself to say hey i have this data about my own body like let's use this as a tool to help myself that is awesome i truly believe on your mission and also you're passing on the knowledge and a safe practice as well versus being on a pill medication because we're so used to just take a pill take a pill and everything's going to get better so i'm really happy that you're creating a workshop for our community of women and women of color and anyone is welcome even men right because if men wanted to learn about the topic book a ticket for your husband your boyfriend men should learn because you know what if they start learning how our cycles go through different phases and a lot of that is yes there are hormone fluctuations but it shouldn't be looked as a negative anymore then imagine how that would contribute to your relationship in a more positive way right you would be more prepared like oh she's she might be going through this phase right now let me callarme mejor or you know give her space mejor (laughs) i know like you know it it really could um strengthen a relationship i believe you know again i'm speaking in terms of if you're in a long-term relationship if the person is willing to learn all this stuff and not everybody's there but i just want to make sure that i'm not speaking out of context if you're a person that's not in a long-term relationship then you can obviously go a different route or learn it for yourself yeah that you have a 
very valid point there. Cindy, what will be one tip that you can give to your audience and your listeners tonight um, in regards to your journey or maybe a tip that your listeners can utilize for their own knowledge and health? I would say reach out if you have questions about reproductive health, even if it's taboo, even if your abuelitos like, no, 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 reach out to somebody, you know, whoever you feel comfortable with, um, just reach out. If you want to reach out to me, then go ahead and do that. It's basically a way to advocate for yourself. Always, always, always put your health first. And this is something that I learned from my own mom too. Si yo no me defiendo, quien me va a defender? Eso mero. So, number one, health. Without our health, the, nada más importa, you know? How, how can we function in this world if our health is not at its best? Thank you so much for sharing that tip. Cindy, if people wanted to look for you on your social media platform or website, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Cultura con Wellness. And they can go to my website. It's up, it's new, it looks really cool. I'm yes. super excited with the way it looks. I wanted to make it very user-friendly to navigate. Um, it's culturaconwellness.com. I have a list of resources there, one of my pages, and I'm always updating that with new resources, book, podcasts, um, articles that you may be looking for. So that's a living document that I'll always be updating. So make sure you check that out. And um, yeah, I, just mostly my website. Um, if you want to email me, you can contact me at culturaconwellness at gmail.com. But those three avenues, that's the way that you can contact me. All right, ladies, you heard it from Cindy and my sister. <laughs> that if you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out. Even if you want to reach out to me at lasaludablelatina at gmail.com or culturaconwellness at gmail.com, we are here for you we are two latinas who have something in common and we're trying to create awareness in this platform as cindy says always advocate for yourself and if you feel like the doctor's not providing you the tools and resources that you need go for a second opinion and keep going forward with being able to live a healthy life so we can prevent chronic illnesses from getting into a late stage okay cindy thank you so much for joining me i hope to do another recording with you as you move forward with your project and i wish you all the best in your workshop as a matter of fact i'm going to la to your workshop i'm excited excited too so there you go guys don't miss out i'll see you in la and make sure you come say hi to cindy and i buenas noches bye